You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Uh, Right now, though, let's get into a Bible study. We are here because we're here to worship Jesus. And we worship Him with our voices in song and in worship as we praise Him. And we worship Him with our minds as we study His Word so that we might know Him from our hearts. And to that end, let's pray together. Lord, we come before You. And Lord, we say uh, just thank You for Your amazing love for us. That You would leave heaven and become a man. And live out a perfect sinless life. So that you could show us and teach us and instruct us. But Lord, the purpose of your coming was beyond even that. You came to die on a cross and take the punishment of our sins upon your own shoulders. Lord, we know that you're a holy God. And that all sin will be judged. We will either be judged for our sin... Or you will be judged for our sin. And Jesus, we thank you that you came to take the judgment and the punishment of our sin that we might have forgiveness given to us. Thank you, Jesus. And now we open your word asking that you would help us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and understand that we might receive a better grasp of who you are and what you want to do in our lives. We know that you're alive and living. And Lord, we're asking that you would reveal yourself to us now through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need a Bible, raise your hands. If you don't have a Bible, here's a hint. You need one. Uh, You'll enjoy the study so much more with a Bible in your lap. Uh, And we got some strong ushers in the aisles who are ready to give you a Bible. And you want to find your way to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We've been going through the book of Matthew verse by verse. Now all the way up to chapter 13 and we're starting a new sub-series, first day of our new sub-series in the book of Matthew titled Kingdom Parables. Life in God's Kingdom. Here's the question. Where is the kingdom? What does he mean when he says The kingdom of heaven is like. That's how he starts many of these parables. The kingdom of heaven is like. What does he mean the kingdom? What kingdom are we talking about? Let me hear some answers from you. His kingdom, okay. Uh, What does that mean? His rule. His rule where? In your heart. Not only in your heart, but where else? Ah, who said that? On earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is at hand. Jesus says, I tell you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here now. As we talk about these kingdom parables, as we move into this new series, we're not talking about a kingdom of heaven that is ethereal, somewhere up in heaven that we're one day going to go to eventually after we've paid our dues here on earth. No, 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 no. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here now. And we're to walk in it. And these parables are life in his kingdom. Life for the church. What church should be. What, the, what, what believers should be in this world. That's what the kingdom parables are all about. Life in the kingdom of God here on earth uh, during our, our time here. So with that, uh, let's jump in. Uh, Jesus has been teaching and uh, now uh, we're going to see a shift in his teaching. Look what happens here. Chapter 13. If you're there, give me a big amen. amen. Everybody there? Yeah? Yeah? All right. Here we go. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. That's the Sea of Galilee. And great multitudes were gathered to him. Yes, his fame, we saw that in previous weeks. His fame now is at a fever pitch. Just masses of people coming out to hear him teach, to see him work, to watch his miracles, to learn from his life-giving words. And just masses are coming out. Verse 2, And great multitudes were gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. What a beautiful setting. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. It's stunning. 
very picturesque place. And there the crowds were coming so much that he just got right up to the water and they're still pressing in. And he says, hey, can I borrow your boat? And he gets in a little boat and comes out and he has a natural amphitheater. Just beautiful. You know, the side of uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee just kind of sloping up and people there standing and he was sitting in the boat. How did we get it backwards, by the way? Why am I standing and you're sitting? Let's turn this around. Can I borrow a chair? Let's turn this around. But think how beautiful that is. And, and you know what? Uh, uh, Jesus didn't need a synagogue. And we don't need a church building. Church isn't our building. We just bought this building. And I'm super thankful. Uh, you know, haven't used it since we bought it. But uh, <laughs> no, no, we're using it now to the glory of God. Hundreds of kids in there being taught the word of God. Uh, your kids. And uh, uh, but... But it's not necessary. Look at this. He's out there and, and just like us out here in the outdoors. And here we are. And what a beautiful sitting, setting. And here, here we go. Verse 3. And he spoke to them many things in parables. Parables. First time the word is used in the New Testament. Parables. Saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. Maybe as he was sitting there... All the multitudes there on the natural amphitheater, him in the boat, maybe he looks off and he says, oh, see that sower, see that farmer over there tilling the soil and planting seed? And he says, behold, a sower, that's one planting seed, that's a farmer, went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some seed fell on stony places. Uh, yeah, this hard, you know, shallow soil. There's a little bit of dirt and it's just hard, rock hard underneath. Some fell on stony places. And they did not have much earth. Just a little bit of topsoil. And immediately they sprang up because they didn't have much depth of earth. Yeah, they actually shoot up quicker because it can't grow down. And so it just comes out quickly. Verse 6. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns. And the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Oh, Jesus is teaching us something about the kingdom. And he says something very interesting. He says, hey, there's a seed going out and it doesn't have its purpose just everywhere. No, it has its purpose only in this one spot was it used well. And he says, now, he who has an ear, let him what? What does that mean? How many of us have ears? Yeah, all of us. What does that mean? He who has the ability to understand, let him understand. Not everybody has the ability to understand. You ever try to share your heart with somebody or try to explain something and it just goes... Well, Jesus experienced that a lot. And he's teaching and he says, Hey, he who has the ability to understand, let him understand. Verse 10. And his disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you the ability to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. They don't have this ability. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even that what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they don't see. And hearing, they don't hear. They don't understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. This prophecy that was given 700 years before Jesus came to this earth. He gives this prophecy from Isaiah 6. Hearing, you will hear and not understand. Seeing, you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed 
lest they should hear with their eyes and hear with their, excuse me, see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see what you see and did not see it. And they desired to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Very interesting as we look at the Bible as, we whole, as a whole, as we look at Matthew as a whole, chapter 13, Jesus makes a very interesting shift. Jesus makes an obvious shift in his teaching style. He now starts using parables. This parable, the one we just read, the first of eight parables just in this chapter. Jesus would speak over 40 parables, 24 of them in the book of Matthew. And here, an obvious shift in his teaching style. A parable is a earthly story with a spiritual meaning. He's talking about seeds and soil, but he's not talking about farming, is he? What's he talking about? He's talking about our life in God's kingdom. Our relationship with God and our walk in this world. In this parable, he's telling us how we should be functioning as a church. What our mission is. What our role is. He's telling us how we should be living our life individually as men and women. He's talking about things we're familiar with to teach us things we're not familiar with. The word parable comes from the Greek word that's a compound word. It's two words put together. Para and balo, parabalo, which means para, means to come alongside, and balo means to examine or to send out. And so the word parable, meaning to come alongside and examine. We get our English word para, uh, parallel from it, right? And uh, it means to come alongside, to ex examine, and to, um, uh, to measure something. If we have a ruler, and we put it next to a line, we put it parallel to it, and we can understand more about the line by putting the ruler next to it. It's putting two things next to each other for a greater understanding. And that's what a parable is. And Jesus... He's speaking in parables so that we might understand things. He's revealing to us profound, incredible truths to help us better understand who God is, this kingdom that we're living in, and our own selves that we might be more effective and fruitful in our lives. Jesus' parables reveal what life is like in God's kingdom. They reveal what life is like in God's kingdom. The kingdom that you're living in. The kingdom that he wants you to be a part of. This is what he's doing. He's trying to teach us how to live life in his kingdom. And so may we be paying attention. It's interesting, by the way, in each of these parables that we're going to be looking at in this series, in each of the parables, there are two things happening at the same time. God is at work, and evil is also at work. The seed is going out, and there's things coming out to choke out and to damage and to crush the seed, right? There's two things at work. Good is at work, and evil is at work. And may I say something? It's been that way from the beginning of time. One of the things that we need to understand about being in the kingdom is that good is at work and evil is at work. Coronavirus has hit. That's just part of life. There's been plagues and viruses from the beginning of time. It'll pass. It'll go away. But as it's here, God is at work in coronavirus 
And the enemy is also at work in the coronavirus. And there's some who would like to use it to gain power and to gain control and to use it selfishly. There's some God would like to use it for good. There's these battles at work. Yeah, in the Garden of Eden, God was at work. And what else was at work? Evil was at work, even in the Garden of Eden. Jesus picked 12 disciples. God was at work. And what else? Evil was at work, even in the choosing of the 12 disciples. Welcome to life in God's kingdom. We're often surprised when hardship comes or when evil comes. And we're like, I don't understand, God, where are you? Hey, that's life in the kingdom. There are two wars going on. There are two kingdoms and they're opposed to each other. The flesh is against the spirit. The spirit is against the flesh. There's a God. There's a devil. There are two kingdoms are at war. There's this battle going on. Now God is infinitely sovereign over the whole thing. It's not like there's this power struggle of 50-50. No, no, no. God is infinitely sovereign over, over everything. But he's allowed this kingdom to have a kingdom going against it. And one of the parables we're going to look at next week explains some of the mystery of that so that we can be in tune. So Jesus' parables reveal what life is like in God's kingdom. Uh, and it's fascinating to look at, right? Uh, we look at Jesus' stories in these parables and they're amazing as he places these two kingdoms, this kingdom that, of God and its relation to the world to illustrate. It's fascinating. His words are picturesque. They're life-giving. They're inspiring. They just kind of move our soul. They're so captivating. Jesus spoke of radical things in these parables that just give us these vivid illustrations. Uh, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. <laughs> what? By placing that alongside, you're like, what? And you can remember that story just hearing it once. Like, wow. And it's revealing something, right? His parables are amazing. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Oh, what a story for those of you who know it. The characters are so rich, so vivid. It really speaks to our heart. The parable of the prodigal son. Oh, what it reveals about God's love for us and how wayward we are as His kids and how He yearns for us to come and to come to our senses and to realize His great love that we might come to Him and that He might save us and that we might live in fellowship with Him. Amazing, amazing parables. They're just fantastic, right? And if we understand Jesus' parables, they will change our life. But... They are a bit enigmatic. They're a bit of an enigma. Uh, they're, they're easy to miss the whole thing, which is why Jesus said, He who has understanding, let him understand. Or, in other words, really pay attention and grab the full depth of them. Consider every nuance that it might impart truth into our heart. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Why? And why the sudden shift now? I mean, he was doing fine just teaching regularly without any parabolic illustration. And it was easier to understand. Why don't you just keep doing that? Well, the answer might surprise you. Notice this. Look at chapter 13. Look at the first four words. What are the first four words of chapter 13? What are they? Read them out loud. On the same day. On the same day as what? Well, on the same day as chapter 12. You say, oh, well, thank you, David. I mean, that's really insightful. Well, what happened in chapter 12? Well, here's what happened in chapter 12. In chapter 12, Jesus healed a man who was blind, a man who was deaf, and a man who was mute. On top of all those problems, he was also demon-possessed. You thought you had a bad day. Jesus heals this guy. Miraculous. He not, has not seen, now he sees. He has not heard, now he hears. He can speak. Oh, amazing. 
And all of the people were like, oh my gosh, is this the Messiah? But the religious leaders, they were jealous and they said, oh, this isn't the Messiah. They called him who? Beelzebub, we learned last week. They called him Satan. And on that same day, Jesus said, I'm changing things. Now I'm speaking in parables. Why did Jesus speak in parables? Here's why. The answer might surprise you. He spoke in parables to reveal and to conceal. What? To reveal and to conceal divine truth. To reveal divine truth and to conceal or to hide divine truth. He wants to reveal divine truth to his followers, to those who believe in him. But he wants to actually hide divine truth from those who come to him with wrong motives. From unbelievers. And parables allow believers to increase in knowledge, to grow closer to God, to those who have Jesus as their Lord. They will grow in greater intimacy through parables. But to those who don't make Jesus Lord, they will actually grow further apart. He spoke in parables to reveal and to conceal divine truth. And this is exactly what he taught in verse 11. Look at this with me. He, they asked him, verse 10, Why are you speaking in parables? Why, what, what the heck? Well, you changed it up here. What are you doing? Verse 11, He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you the ability to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And look what he says here. This is so important. Pay attention. Verse 12, For whoever has the ability to understand and to make Jesus Lord, to him more will be given. And he will have what? An abundance. He spoke in parables to help you even receive more than you could normally. And he wants you to have not just enough to get by. He wants you to have enough wisdom to have an abundance of wisdom. He wants you to have enough patience to have an abundance of patience enough grace to be able to forgive anyone enough love from from him that you could love just an abundance not enough to get by but an abundance and then look what he says for whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him very interesting teaching to him who has more will be given and he will have an abundance some of you are tuning out. You're already counting the cars going by and you're not going to have anything. Some of you are on the edge of your chair. You want to understand God is speaking to you personally and you're going to have an abundance. To whoever has, to him more will be given and he will have an abundance. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Interesting. Jesus used parables to reveal and conceal. Jesus invites all to come to him, but he won't force himself on any of us. We must choose. We must hunger and thirst for him. And if we do, he'll reveal himself. Uh, he wants to reveal himself. And those that make him the Lord of their life, he reveals more of himself too. He gives us the opportunity to know him and to grow in his love. But to those who are too wise to submit to his teaching. To those who say, I already know that parable. I can't believe they're teaching that. I've heard that taught so many times. <laughs> to the religious leaders that won't hear him speak. He says, I'm going to conceal these things from you. And you're going to walk away hungrier than ever before. Very interesting. Very interesting. In John chapter 9, there's an interesting story that reveals this really well. In John chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who was born blind. And he happened to do it on the Sabbath. And he did it on the Sabbath on purpose because he was trying to not only heal the blind man, but he was trying to teach the religious leaders some things about themselves that, to help them have their blind eyes healed. And so they got all torqued when Jesus healed this guy on, this, on the Sabbath. And uh, uh, Jesus had put mud in this guy's eyes. And he told him to go wash. And, the, and, uh, uh, and as he washed, him, uh, he'd come back and he'd be seen. So he does. And he comes back to the temple, to the tabernacle, to the synagogue where, he, where Jesus healed him. 
and the religious leaders questioned him, who healed you? And he said, this guy named Jesus. He said, well, how did he do it? Well, he put mud in my eyes and he told me to go wash. And I did. And I came back and I, and he goes, oh, this guy, he's not a good guy. He's a sinner. And the blind guy said, this is an incredible thing. From the foundation of the world, it is unheard of that a man who was born blind would be given his sight. This is what was spoken of the Messiah, by the way. The prophets, one of the main prophecies of the Messiah is he would give sight to the blind, both physically and what? Spiritually. What does that mean? Well, I think that Life is by how much money you make and a big house. And I think life is at the strip club. And I think life is looking amazingly hot and having, you know, just being the prettiest girl in the world. And I think life is by having the biggest following on social media. And I think life, and he says, wow, that's really blind. And he comes to open our eyes that we might see that life isn't found in any of these things, but life comes from him. And I don't know about you, but I remember the day that my blindness was lifted and I went wow Jesus you're amazing and he replaced those worthless pursuits that I was after and gave me now purpose and life and that is what he does he heals the blind and so this physical blind guy that he healed was a picture of spiritually was a parable of what Jesus does for all of us this is who he is this is what he wants to do and he came, and they, the, the, the religious leaders were, well, how did he, this man's a sinner. And the guy goes, you're crazy, man, from the history of the world, never seen anything like this. And the religious leaders get upset, and they go, are you teaching us? And they cast him out. And Jesus goes and finds him, and he goes, hey, little buckaroo, don't worry about the pastor that just kicked you out. Uh, there's a Messiah who loves you. And he goes, who is he? he goes, I've never met him. He goes, it's me, the guy who healed you. You're the guy, oh my God, and he worshiped him. Jesus then goes in to talk to the religious leaders and he says something profound. Now this is verbatim. This isn't my story anymore. This is now verbatim. John 9, here's what Jesus says. Listen to this. This is the word of Jesus. For judgment, I have come into this world that those who are blind might see and those who see might be made blind. What? I got the first part of that. Yeah, I know you came to heal blindness. No, 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 no. I didn't come to heal blindness. I came to judge. And here's what I'm judging. Those who are blind, no problem. You think life is found in the strip club, in a bottle, in a drug, in whatever? No problem. I'll heal you if you come to me and I'll show you where life is really found and I'll give you an abundance. But, you think you've got it all figured out? You think you already see? For judgment I've come into this world that those who are blind might see and those who see might be made what? Blind. And the religious leaders were offended. They got what he was saying. And they said, oh, Are you saying that me, Pastor Dave, is blind? The religious leader of Israel? The rabbi of me? Are you saying we're blind? And Jesus answered the most profound answer. I just marvel at his wisdom. You know what he said? So simple. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say you see, and therefore your sin remains. Wow. Wow. If you were blind, I would heal you. If you just were thinking life was found over here and over here and over here, if you, if you were just blind, you thought life was found and by being a religious leader, and you were just honest and you said, oh, it's not, I'd heal you. But now you say you see, therefore your sin remains. Wow, what is that? What is going on? What is really happening? Here's what's happening. Jesus is saying, hey, salvation is readily available to all of us through Jesus. Forgiveness is available. Blindness will be healed. He'll cleanse us of our sin. He'll bring us into a relationship with God. He'll, he'll make our lame feet be able to walk. We can have that. But if we refuse to humble ourselves and come to Jesus, we have absolutely no chance whatsoever of knowing God. No chance.
For judgment I have come into this world, that those who are blind may see. I'll forgive them. I'll heal them. I'll give them sight. But those who see may be, may be made blind. Wow, just amazing. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching here. Look at the prophecy he quotes. Let's break it down. Uh, verse 14. And in them, uh, he says, listen, I speak to them in parables, verse 13, because seeing they don't see, hearing they don't understand, they don't obey, so I'm changing things. I'm now going to speak in parables. And in them, this prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Uh, you, just, you just don't get it. And as I mentioned, you've experienced this yourself. You've tried to tell someone something deep and meaningful that was on your heart. And they just argue with you. You try to share someone uh, insight to what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. And they're like, well, yeah, but you did this. And you're like, it just missed the whole point, right? Just missed the whole point. That's what Jesus is going through. He's trying to show them their love, but they just miss it. Look what he says, verse 15. The hearts of this people have grown what? Dull. They're dull. They're, they're insensate. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes, look at this word, and their eyes, read with me this word, underline it. What's the word? Their eyes what? They have closed. Not God has closed. God gave them eyes, but they closed their eyes. God gave them a tender heart, but they hardened their heart. Their eyes, they have closed. And you know what? This is a picture of man. So busy with self, so busy with all his pursuits, so busy with, oh, I want to be the most pretty, I want to be the most popular, I want to be the richest, I want to be the strongest, I want to be whatever, the best quarterback, the best. So busy with our little pursuits that they have little interest in knowing God. This is a picture of man. He has eyes, but he cannot see. He's blind to his own sin nature. He's blind to the holiness of God and how amazing God is and God's amazing love. He's blind to all of it. He's bankrupt and he doesn't even know it. He thinks he's amazing when he's bankrupt. That's us. And that's what Jesus is describing. Just amazing. They have ears, but they're hard of hearing and their eyes, they have closed. Paul trying to explain this to the church in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You don't have to turn there, but let me tell you what Paul said. Paul was talking about God's great love. Hey, God loved you so much that he left heaven. He became a man. He lived perfectly. He was despised and rejected. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was scourged. All for the sake of taking the punishment of our sin upon, upon his own back. This is how much God loves you. But we weren't able, or we're blind to it. We weren't able to receive his love. And he tells them in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if they were able to see and understand God's love, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But they did crucify him. That's verse 8. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9 he says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. And we hear this verse, and it's so often taught out of context, even by pastors, who may make it sound like that the verse is saying this, Oh, heaven's going to be so amazing that one day we're going to go to heaven, and eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man. How great heaven's going to be. And that's true, but that's not at all what the verse is saying. What the verse is saying is, God is trying to show us our, His love for us. That's why Jesus came. That's why you had breakfast this morning. That's why you have breath. That's why you have a great mind to be able to comprehend things. Because God wants to show you His great love. And we will not receive it. If we would, we wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. 
as it is written, our eye has not seen, our ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has been trying to show us, his great love. And then verse 10 says, but God has revealed these things to us by his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Those of us who've seen God's love, oh, He's revealed these things to us by His Spirit. And so incredible. This is what Jesus is talking about. Oh, I want to heal them. I want to speak to them. But they won't have it. So now I'm speaking in parables because they've got this hard, deaf eye. Look what He says. Look at the second half of verse 15. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. Turn, yeah, underline turn. Turn from what? Turn from their sin. Turn from their blindness. Turn from the darkness that they're in of what they think will bring life and turn to Jesus' love and to His wisdom. Turn from darkness to light. Salvation is available if we would turn, right? From foolishness to wisdom. From blindness to vision. But you know what the problem is? We're so busy chasing all of our pursuits that we just can't see God's love. We can't hear His voice. It doesn't even enter into our heart. My daughter and I were watching a, uh, a TV show, uh, a movie on Netflix about social media. And I forget the name of it. Um, uh, what is it? Social dilemma, that's it, thank you. I couldn't remember last service here. Social dilemma. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Because it's just a clear picture of our generation who spends countless hours on our little idle factory. We've set up a throne to ourselves. It's called TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, right? Here's my empire. And we spend countless hours. And uh, we're watching this thing. And I was like, wow, it's profound. It's actually designed to capture us and to turn it into a God in our life, right? And, uh, and it does. And I looked over at my daughter. And I said, hey, let's go on screen time on our phones. And let's see. And sure enough, where was her phone as we're watching the movie? Oh, it's right in your hand. Sure enough, right? <laughs> Let's go on screen time and let's figure out how many hours we've been watching on our phones this week. I encourage you to do that after the service. Not now. After the service. You know what you'll see? Our eyes are on worthless things. Job said, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Help me to see your calling on my life. Help me to see where life can really be found because I'm losing sight of things with this little idle factory heart that I have. In the Psalms, uh, David uh, would write Psalm 135 talking about this. Uh, on your screens, take a look at this. Read this with me out loud, will you? All of us together, a thundering voice. The idols of the nations are silver and gold. Let's pause there. The idols of the nations, the nations are who? All of us, all the people. The idols of the people are silver and gold. These are the things we value, the things we go after. We're, you know, the love of money, right? Our kingdoms, our worlds, right? Let's read again. They have mouths. Read with me. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Neither is any breath in their mouth. Let's pause there. Who's he talking about? The idols. Yeah, you make a little idol and you give it eyes, you give it a mouth, you give it a nose, you give it ears. That's what's on your screen, by the way. It's a virtual life, but it can't hear you, it can't see you, it can't speak to you. It's insensate, it's digital, it's virtual, it's not real. And here's the danger of it. Verse 18, read this out loud to me. One thundering voice. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. What does that mean? Those who make them are like them. Well, they're insensate. And those who worship them are also what? Insensate. They have eyes that can't see. They have ears that can't hear. They have a heart that can't grasp. 
Have you ever seen anybody addicted to pornography? You know what happens? They become a machine. You ever seen anybody addicted to drugs? You know what? They become just like their drug, a user, a user of other people. Drugs use people. That's what they do. They control, they use, they manipulate. And that's what they become. You become like whatever you worship. And that's why God gave us the first commandment, which is what? Have no other gods before me. Because you will become just like them. And you weren't created for that. You were created in the image of God to reflect Him. We all with a veiled face are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us, whatever you worship, you will become like. And he says, be careful. Be careful, right? Be careful. And so here we see, uh, look what he, uh, what he says, right? Uh, Lest they should turn from their sin and I would heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see and blessed are your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desire to hear what, to, excuse me, to see what you see and they did not see it. And the desire to hear what you hear and they did not hear it. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the history of the world, prophets, godly men, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Omadiah, I mean, on and on, who wanted to hear this parable that you have in your lap, and they didn't get to hear it. How blessed are we? How blessed are we? So some amazing things. Parables are a blessing to those who are genuinely seeking Jesus. They reveal the greatness of God's love for us. They give us instruction about what His kingdom is all about so that we might live effective lives. They lighten our path so we don't go searching for life in the wrong spots. They're a lamp unto our feet. But to those who don't make Jesus Lord, they're mere folklore. They're mere fairy book stories. And they have no depth because they're spiritually dead. They cannot fathom the riches of Christ. It's beyond their grasp. Their eye has not seen. Their ear has not heard. Never has it entered into the heart that they have the things that God has for those that love Him. And so, wow, what an amazing thing. Now then, let's dive into the parable and let's understand its meaning of these four different soils. Uh, these four different soils are uh, interesting to look at. Let's look at the first soil. Verse 18, are you there? Therefore, hear the parable of the soil. Circle the word hear. What does it mean? Understand it. Don't just hear the words. Understand it. Understand the parable of the soil. Here's what it is. He's going to explain it to us. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. What's the word of the kingdom? Not a trick question. What's the word of the kingdom? The Bible in your lap. When people hear the word of the kingdom, right? And does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. And what was sown, in, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Here we find out that the seed that falls by the wayside represents a hardened heart towards Jesus. Just a hardened heart towards Jesus. You try to share your faith with someone, they say, oh, don't tell me any of that. I don't want to hear about that Jesus. They just have a hardened heart to Jesus. They're driving by right now. They're stopped at the stop sign. Hey, that's interesting. What's going on over there? Look at all those knuckleheads. Idiots, man. They just, they believe in a God they can't see. Isn't that crazy? And their window's down and they hear a few words and they go, and they drive off. Seed that fell by the wayside. No offense. <laughs> they don't understand God's love. They don't understand the calling of God that's upon our life. God did not create you by accident. He created you on purpose. And He has a specific desire for you. He wants to do life with you every day. He wants fellowship with us. It's so cool to me. So cool to me that God wants that. But they don't understand it. 
They don't get it. And they hear the words of God. Well, even while you're here, there's some here today that where the seed is falling by the wayside. They're thinking about lunch. They're thinking about, oh, did you see that car? Oh, that was a nice motorcycle. Oh, that, oh look at that girl over there. That girl's hot. Or look at that guy over there. Oh, that guy's handsome, man. That guy's handsome. And Dave, why does he do this all the time? Why is he always doing this? And they're missing out on the word. We had Noah May over at our house this week. Uh, I love Noah, a friend of our family. And we had a bunch of people over our house for dinner. And, and uh, right in the middle of dinner, Noah, he's super charismatic, right? Just fun to be with. And in the middle of dinner, he kind of stands up in the center, center of my living room. And uh, little to my knowledge, this was going to happen. He starts doing impersonations of me preaching from the pulpit in my living room. <laughs> Wasn't welcome or wanted, just for FYI. Didn't really... But it was hilarious, hilarious. I didn't realize they do so many dorky things. But here's the point. We can get sidetracked of the teaching of the word with these ADD minds that we have and we're just all over the place. You see, all of us are each of these soils at different times. And he says, be careful that your heart isn't hard towards the word. So it just bounces off. In all of the parables, by the way, excuse me, in, in this parable, in all of the soils, I should say, the seed represents what? The Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. Put that slide up for me, if you will. The seed is the Word of God. And the sower is those who spread the Word of God in Jesus' name. The sower is Jesus and those who spread the Word of God in Jesus' name. And here we get an understanding of the kingdom values and principles. Guess what you're supposed to be? A sower of the seed. We're reminded of the purpose of our church. We come here to worship and to learn on Sunday and to praise Him and to serve Him, to give Him our offerings. This is all about worship and learning. And then we go out in the world and what do we do? We sow seed. Have you been sowing seed? That's our purpose. And the soil is the heart of man. And here we see uh, the... Uh, that, you know, hey, the heart of man is variable. There's different, different kinds of soil out there. But notice this, the seed is the impetus of the entire parable. The Word of God. Without the seed, there is no story. Without the seed, there is no life. It's the Word of God that is sharp and powerful and active, right? Think about planet Earth if there was no seeds on the Earth. What would planet Earth look like? We'd all be dead because we'd have no food. The animals would have no food. There'd be nothing to eat. And the earth would look a lot like Mars, just a barren wasteland. It's the seed that gives life. And so it is in the kingdom. It's the word of God that gives life. The seed is what it's all about. And the reason we spend so much time in Bible study on Sunday mornings is because the Bible is life. The word of God is life. And a church that doesn't study the Bible is a spiritually dead church. We need the Word of God. Romans 10 makes it very clear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Or faith comes by understanding God and we understand God by the Word of God. And Hebrews 11.6 makes it very clear. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We need God's Word to have faith. And so we make it a priority in what we do. It's why we have mission groups and everything else. And what are you saying, David? Here's what I'm saying. Don't let the, se- the word fall on hard soil in your life. Study your Bibles. Study your Bibles. Go to mission group. Get plugged in. Dads, I want to speak to you for a minute. Every dad, eyes up here, full attention, every dad. Do a family Bible study every week in your home. Make it fun, make it great, make it your kids' favorite time of the week. Moms, eyes up here. Practice Deuteronomy 6. When you're driving, when you're going to school, when you're going to a soccer game, when you're going to gymnastics practice, talk about God, talk about Jesus, talk about the Word of God, get it out there. This is our mission as a church. God's Word gives life. 
And the sower is, uh, is our job. It's our job to spread God's word in Jesus' name. And may I just remind you, that is our purpose mission, church. Here we see the value of studying the parables. We're getting the, the, the purpose of the kingdom. God wants to use who? Who? You. God wants to use you. You're to be a sower of seed. You're to be a sower of seed. And you know what sowing seed requires? Sowing seed requires faith. Because if you look at a seed, you go, oh, I don't want to say that. It's going to sound so dorky. I mean, what am I going to do? Am I going to tell them Jesus loves you? Am I going to tell them, what am I going to tell I mean, you know, it just seems, hey, hey, the seed is powerful. The seed is powerful. I have these vines on my fence in the backyard and uh, I was working on them yesterday, you know. And uh, I love these vines and you try to keep them growing nice and stuff. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I noticed one of the vines that I really like had some seed pods I'd never seen before. They're small. And so I got these little seed pods in my hand and I thought, I'd like another vine. But these things are so small. What are these going to do? And so I took them and I planted them. And at one hand, I thought, it's got to take forever. But on the other hand, I thought, oh, this is the faithfulness of God. And may I say to you, there's power in the Word of God. And when you have that coworker, uh, hey, speak up. Give to every man a reason for the hope that lies within you, Paul would tell Timothy, right? Um, and uh, may we be planting the, the word. It's important. It's an important part of our, of our walk. People are hurting out there. Did you know that? The world is lost. Is it getting more lost than ever? Isn't it crazy? Are you watching the news? Wow, crazy. We have more communication tools than ever. Texting and social media and ways to connect, but we've never been so lonely. In that movie I was telling you about, it showed the suicide rate of 14-year-old girls. It's gone up so high. This is the first generation ever that was grew up with social media. They grew up with it. And the suicide rate has just, just blown up. It's like, you know, more than doubled. Crazy, crazy. You know what? You have the words of life. Get them out there. Tell the world about Jesus. You have an amazing story to tell. Uh, people are starving for real relationships right now. And you know the source of all love. You know the source of life. You have the seeds. Especially during COVID, man. People are hurting. And Jesus has the life we're searching for. Church, let's get to work. The kingdom, this is the kingdom parable. This is how the kingdom works. We are the sowers. Uh, I need to move us on. Let's move on to the next soil. Look at verse 20. Jesus is going to tell us that there's rocky soil. And the rocky soil represents people who have a selfish heart towards Jesus. That's many of us here. We have a selfish heart towards Jesus. Let's see what it says. Verse 20. He who receives seed on the stony places. That's the little bit of dirt, but hard rock underneath. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh yeah, praise the Lord. Yes, amen. Oh yeah, that's good. Right? They, they, they believe. Yet he has no root in himself. He endures only for a little while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. What's that? Yeah, those are people who are controlled by a selfish heart. By a selfish heart. They like the idea of Jesus if it's convenient. They like the idea of Jesus if it doesn't require life change. But as soon as they realize that making Jesus Lord means dying to flesh daily. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. That's too hard. That's too hard. And we see it, man. Especially, uh, well, well, I won't say it. We see it all over. Church is cool if it's fun. Hey, are you going to Young Adults this Wednesday? I don't know. Who's going to be there? What does that have to do with anything, right? We like it if it's fun. We like it if the right people's there. We like it if the vibe is right. I'll raise my hands and worship if the vibe is right. I might even get a, a tattoo of a cross. I might even have uh, Phil Wickham on Spotify if the vibe is right. 
But the moment it gets difficult, when we realize following Jesus can be hard at times, when it realizes we have to deny our flesh, oh, I'm out, I'm out. My selfish heart wins. It's very appropriate, by the way, in this parable, say it with me again, the word, rep, the seed represents the word, right? And the sower represents who? Us, those who teach Jesus' word and proclaim Jesus' word in Jesus' name. And the soil represents who? Man's heart. Very proper that man in this parable would be represented by dirt. Genesis 2, 7, or 2, 17, I can't remember. Uh, man was formed from where? The dirt of the ground. And he was breathed into the Spirit of God and he became a living being. Without the Spirit of God, we're just dirt. And very appropriate, man, that we're depicted that way. And you know what I want you to know? We all have hard soil. And we all have rocky soil. And we all have weeds and thorns. And those things have to be pulled. And they're done so by an amazing gardener. His name? Jesus. And when you allow Jesus to be the gardener of your soil, he turns those three bad soils into the amazing good soil. There's no good soil by itself. It all has to be cultivated by the, the, the divine farmer, right? And it's important that we look at it that way. Um, let's move on. Let's look at the third soil. The third soil is the thorny soil. And you know what that represents? That represents a heart that is impeded by a crowded heart that's desiring a million other things. A heart that is crowded, impeded by a million other things. And notice, notice this one's different. This one actually, this heart actually grows a plant. But what does it say happens to the plant? What is the problem? It, it's what? What's the word? Single word. That's not the word. What is it? It's crowded. It gets choked out. But what, what does it say? Look at verse 22 with me. He who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this word, the world <clears throat> and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word of God and he becomes a single word. What is it? Unfruitful. A crowded heart is unfruitful. Unfruitful, what does that mean? Unfruitful in their relationship with God. Unfruitful in their personal relationships. Unfruitful in their marriage. Unfruitful in their parenting. <clears throat> Unfruitful in planting the seed of being a witness for Jesus, building the kingdom. Uh, unfruitful in being used by God. Unfruitful in bringing wisdom and truth and insight to help others. Unfruitful in serving. Unfruitful. Wow. Big word. Big word. Our heart gets choked out by so many things. Materialism. The demands of the day, going to work, being a parent, TV, social me media, and the myriad of other things <clears throat> that we put in front of God. We get choked out. And as a result of our crowded life, we become unfruitful. Can I tell you something? This is a picture of the church today. Not just this church, but the church, the Catholic church, the Catholic, not the denomination, Catholic means universal, the universal church. It's a picture of the church in the United States and the world today. It's choked out by all the prosperity, by all the cares of life. We have a divided heart and it shows. In theory, Jesus is Lord, but not in reality. Only in theory. We spend so much time on other things. Think about how much time. I want you to do it when you're after church. Think about how much time you spend on your phone. Go get your screen time out. There's an app on your iPhone, on your idle. It's called screen time. And uh, take a look at how much. And you know what you'll find? 
We've got time for a lot of other things. But how much time do we spend in the Word? How much time do we spend in prayer? How much time do we spend in fellowship? How many time do we spend building up others? Even in our finances, God is choked out by cars and bills and clothes and Starbucks. All of it comes before our tithe. Interesting. Why? Because we have a crowded heart. And a crowded heart is impeded from being fruitful. Wow, heavy sermon, heavy sermon. Well, I, I can't help it. It's just the text, right? Um, but here's the good news. All of us will experience these distractions. All of us experience the cares of the world. And here's what God is doing. He's saying, hey, look, I, I get it. I know you've got things to do. But here's what he says. Seek me first and all these things will be added unto you. You'll be fruitful in all these things if you put me first. And uh, the purpose of today is not to condemn but to inspire. Let's move from having a crowded heart into being good soil. Right? Let's move from that. Because look at the good soil. The good soil is amazing. Um, one more thing before we move on. Just answer to yourself. Does a crowded heart describe your life? Is your time with Jesus slim? Time in the Word, time in prayer, that kind of thing? If a crowded life describes, describes your heart, I want to say just one simple thing. It's not complex. Pull some weeds. Pull some weeds. Till the soil. Make it fertile soil. Say, Jesus, my heart's yours again. I know your first commandment. Have no other gods before me. Jesus, you're going to be my main passion. You're going to be what I'm after. Let's look. Let's look at the good soil of the good heart. Uh, we'll close with this. Uh, the good soil represents the heart that's in awe of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23. He who received seed on the good ground, that could be us today. We hear this and we go, oh, I receive it. I'm going to allow this seed to change my direction. I'm going to allow this seed to change my life. I'm actually going to listen. I'm going to be teachable. He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, he understands it, and he bears fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. You know what that means to me? God wants us to be incredibly fruitful. Incredibly fruitful. Who is the person that has that good soil? Well, that's the person who has a heart and awe of God. What does it look like? Well, it means that his heart is so moved by Jesus' love for him that he makes Jesus a priority in his crowded heart. He softens the soil of the heart. He pulls the weeds of materialism, of lust, of busyness. And he makes sure that his heart isn't too crowded. And he recognizes that Jesus is his most cherished and valuable possession. And he organizes his life accordingly. His prize is Jesus. His worth is Jesus. His purpose is Jesus. And he prioritizes his life accordingly. He studies his Bible to see Jesus, to understand his heart. He meditates on his word day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that gives fruit in its season. It doesn't matter if the drought comes or not. He's got a water source. He's planted in Jesus and he bears fruit in due season. And that's what Jesus wants us to be. He wants you to have an abundance. Whoever has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I'm going to ask Kyle and the team to come back up. Why don't you stand with me as we do. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit that Jesus wants to give. A hundredfold. Can you imagine? What does that mean? That means our soil is so tilled that we just have so much forgiveness that Jesus has given us that we can give forgiveness no problem. We're so in awe of how gracious Jesus has been to us that we can give grace no problem.
And instead of going around and criticizing others, we go around and we build others because Jesus has built us. And it just flows out of us because we have an abundance. Oh, may that be the character trait of the mission church. And may we go out this, this week and may we understand the purpose. Hey, I'm in the kingdom. When you go to mark, work tomorrow, you're not at work. Where are you? You're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. You're at work, but you're a kingdom builder. And may you go sow some seeds. May you go live your life to the glory of Jesus. And may that song that we sang earlier, may his favor be upon you and to your children and to their children. And may his mercy be upon you and to your children and to their children. And may he cause his face to shine upon you. And may that grace and that countenance of your soul just be lifted up so that your love, his love just radiates out of you to your children and to their children, just to a thousand generations. This is the heritage of the children of the saints. And it's beautiful and it's glorious. The first parable in the parables of the kingdom. Read ahead next week. We'll jump into the rest. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.